Okay, so I have the pleasure of introducing Robert. <clears throat> uh, Robert uh, Sanford and uh, his wife Charlene, right? And for those of you uh, who know Jean and Helmut, Charlene is their daughter. And they're here today, so welcome. We're glad you came as well. Um, been a few years since we have seen you. Um, this is Jean's home church. When she was a little girl, she came here faithfully every Sunday. So um, it's like a homecoming for her. <clears throat> anyway, Robert, if you want to join me, um, he gave me a little introduction. This is his chance to say all the nice things he wanted me to say about him. <laughs> Please do. Um, he says, I grew up in a Christian family, uh, sensing early on God's call to ministry. He graduated with a Bachelor of Religion degree from the North American Baptist College in Edmonton, which is now, of course, Taylor Seminary. And then he completed a Master of Divinity degree from the North American Baptist Seminary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, over the next 30 years, he's pastored in four different churches in Western Canada, and he spent five years in Eastern Manitoba as well. That's considered Western Canada, so... so. Uh, nine years in Yorkton, seven years in Prince George, and uh, the final nine years in Edmonton. <clears throat> so, um, you wouldn't have to know Cliff and Gloria Peterson, would you? Yeah, we do. Okay, because they spent many years in this church as well. So, yeah, so a connection there. Uh, currently works for a small company in Edmonton that focuses on selling and certifying equipment used for inspection in the painting and coating industry. And uh, he makes himself available to do pulpit supply, which he's doing today. So Robert, welcome here. Thank you, um, We're glad you joined us. Let me pray for you, and then the stage is all yours. Once again, Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would bless Robert as he speaks to us this morning. Um, use him for your kingdom's sake. Bless him because of his willingness to be here and just... Uh, Give him the right words to speak to us and to our hearts as he preaches here this morning. We thank you for him, and we just pray your blessing on him. In Jesus' name, amen. So it is a privilege to be here this morning. Um, I, some heard earlier this morning that uh, Alan and I were roommates in college for one year. Um, the stories I could tell, but Alan, if you watch this, I'm not going to. I will behave. Uh, known Alan and Faye for uh, a lot of years, and it's been a privilege to have that relationship. We served in churches that weren't sep far separated from them during our years in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and uh, really enjoyed the fellowship there. And now that we're getting back together again here in this area, uh, privileged to be able to reunite in that relationship with them. And uh, so it was a privilege when Alan asked, he says, hey, are you available? I said, sure, I'll do that. I'll do that. And as you've already heard, uh, my mother-in-law, this is her home church. Uh, in case you hadn't heard, a uh, couple weeks ago, they celebrated their 65th wedding anniversary. They got married right here in this church. So congratulations to Gene and Helmut. And... Uh, and Uncle Elvin and, and Auntie Dorothy, a privilege to be in your church today as well. And a, a, just a great thing. Um, let me pray for you folks, and then we'll get into the Word. Father, what a joy. 
to be able to have relationship with people. What a privilege to have that relationship with you and to know of your amazing love that you have lavished upon us. We ask, Almighty God, that as we spend these moments together in your word, that you will speak to us the truths that you would have us to know and to live throughout the days to come. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So let me ask you a question to get you started thinking about the direction we're going to go with the the preaching of the Word this morning. Um, What fears have you known in life? Think about that for a moment. What fears have you known in life? Um, I have known a number of fears over the years of my life. Um, I knew fear when I found out that my wife Charlene uh, was going to give birth to our firstborn but all of a sudden had to have an emergency C-section, and she had trained actually as an RN in the hospital where our firstborn was to be born, and she saw them scampering around and stopped one of the nurses and finally said, look, I trained here, I know the rhythm, what's going on, and found out that when they told her the baby is in distress, uh, I knew fear then, what was going to happen, what was going to come of that moment. Praise the Lord. She came through it just fine, and we're grateful for that. I knew an immense rage and a great fear the day that our oldest son, Ryan, um, was attacked by a dog out playing with with, uh, their cousins, and all of a sudden, their dog decided that he didn't like the the way the game was being played and uh, attacked our son, took a chunk out of his arm, and then they came running into the house and said, and the dog's now going for his face. I knew a great fear when I heard that. I knew fear during the week that our youngest son, Kyle, found himself in a hospital, spiking a, an intense fever, and the doctors couldn't tell us why. I knew fear the day that uh, we were headed out of town on vacation. Charlene had worked all day, and we were ready to go, loaded up and packed. And she said, oh, by the way, we've got to stop at the hospital on our way out of town. Now, my wife was a home care nurse at that time and was working out of the hospital. And I looked at her, and I said, well, what did you forget in your office? She said, no, I, it's nothing that I forgot. I'm experiencing chest pains. We need to stop and see what's going on. Fear. I'd venture to guess that most everyone here today knows fear of one nature or another, one type or another that you have experienced and had to live through. And you can probably then relate to the words of David penned in Psalm 56, You know what he was going through as he worked through the feelings of being pursued and pressured in life's twists and turns, life's challenges and heartaches, all of which, as you know, a time can leave you breathless and bewildered. So let me set the table for you in terms of the passage of Scripture that we find in Psalm 56. And we find this from the time of introduction of David. 1 Samuel chapter 16 records David's being anointed as the next king of Israel. Oh, by the way, the chapter right after that leads us out onto the battlefield where David has his great victory over Goliath with five smooth river stones and a sling. The next two chapters talk about the jealousy of the king. 
because of what is going on and what is happening and the, the, the joy that people celebrated about David. And then in chapters 20 and 21 of 1 Samuel, David fled from the king's presence and quite literally jumped out of the frying pan and into the fire when he decided he was going to run to the city of Gath. And if you know the story, you know, oh, by the way, that was Goliath's hometown. Not exactly his finest moment and choice, but run from home, run to the enemy, and there it was that we find then in chapter 21, 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 to verse 1 of chapter 22, we find this story. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in his presence. And while they had, while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish looked at his servants. Look at this man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? Chapter 22, verse 1 begins, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. I love the, the simplicity of which the word of God declares. Yeah, David just got up and left town. Unbelievable. You run from your enemy in your own hometown to run to the, your enemies and find yourself in a great time of distress and trouble. David, under siege by Saul and challenged by the Philistines, it was a quiet moment in the cave of Adullam where he penned the words that we find in Psalm 56. I invite you to listen to the Word of God as we read it together this morning. Be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. All day long they press their attack. My slanders pursue me all my day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? All day long they twist my words. They are always plotting to harm me. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, eager to take my life. On no account let them escape. In your anger, O God, bring down the nations. Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, O God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. 
David, if you put the pieces all together, is still a very young man when he wrote these words we find in Psalm 56. And he's going through some horrendous faith stretching at the hands of his king, Saul, and his enemies, the Philistines. What's fascinating to see is David never lost his hope that God was there. God was going to see him through, uh, even though he was pressured seemingly by everyone everywhere he turned. And the result of this was the growth of an even greater steadfast reliance on God than he'd known at any point or time in his life before. In our own days of crisis, where fears seem to dominate our emotion, we too need to discover a fresh reserve in our faith in the Lord. Placing our trust in God will equip us to survive these moments in time, life skirmishes, whatever they may be. We need to know that our crises will look a lot different from David's because our Saul, if you will, may be a physical or an emotional ailment. Our Philistines may be spiritual or psychological distresses. Whatever the nature of your crisis is, whether it be one of loss or attack, I pray that you will feel God's compassion and care during your troubled times, regardless of what they may look like or seem like to you. You see, here is our hope. When life presses in, we can cry out to God. David has every reason to cry out to the Lord for help in verses 1 and 2. He was being hotly pursued by Saul, as we've already noted, and the Philistines coming from the other direction. He was being attacked on all sides, endlessly pressed and attacked by his adversaries, whether at home or abroad. So what does he do? As we see in verse 1, he cries out to God, his prayer, be merciful. Be merciful. That simple lament quite literally means you who have the means to help, come and supply my need. You who have the means to help, come and supply my need. Why does David need help? Well, as we can assume and look at, men were about were after him from every side, seemingly seeking to destroy him from every side. So he runs away from home, and he runs to his enemy. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that idea. Of all the places you could have gone, David, why didn't you start in the cave and not go to your enemy's hometown to begin with? What we know is that David was in desperate straits and quite simply had nowhere to turn, nowhere to run. You know what that's like? You know what it's like for that health issue, that family predicament, trouble in your financial affairs, adversity in your relationships. Where do we turn? When we're there in that time of difficulty, we need to pray that the one who's in a position to help will graciously meet us in our hour of need. We need to cry out to God, be merciful. Why cry out to God, be merciful? 
because he who is in a position to help, please come and provide what is needed. What a sweet relief to know that when life presses in, we can turn to God and trust that he who promises to supply all our needs will be there to come to us. So why should we cry out to God? Well, life's pressures can't crush our faith in the Lord. That's a beautiful thought, is it not? Our God, who is there to meet our every need, nothing, nothing, say it again, nothing can destroy him. Nothing can crush our faith and our belief that God will be there in our time of need. David acknowledges in verse 3 that fear wasn't an option in life. Everyone experiences fear. How does it affect us? It ought to move us closer to the Lord our God. Verses 3 and 4 are a powerful testimony of what absolute faith and trust in God can do for us. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. There's a verse to put on your fridge or on your mirror and see every day. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal men do to me? That same thought is echoed later in this psalm in verses 10 and 11. There is nothing and no one who can separate us from God and all that he holds for us. Things may hurt us physically. They may affect us emotionally. They may indeed um, cause us all kinds of grief. But in the end, God loves you. In the end, God cares for you, and that love and that care will never fail. Life's stresses may derail us. They may hurt us, might even challenge us in ways that we don't believe we'd ever be able to come through. But our faith in God isn't bound by the temporal nature of this life. What a great truth. You experience, I mean, sharing the the prayer requests that were shared this morning, watching the effects of the wildfires all over the place, and the beautiful reality, God is still there caring and loving for all. Doesn't make it any easier when your house is burned to the ground. But the beautiful truth, God hasn't forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. God is still there caring for you in every way. Placing our faith and trust in God gives us the confidence to face whatever affects our lives, and we can claim God's victory over it despite what the world might think. And therefore, it's legitimate to confront trouble with God's justice. With a renewed sense of God's eternal majesty and might, David turned and faced the trouble that he was encountering, the troublemakers that he was encountering in his life, and sought God's justice amidst it all. I mean, check out verses 5, 6, and 7. All day long they twist my words. All day long they always plot to harm me. They conspire, they lurk. Come on. They watch my steps, eager to take my life. But check out verse 7. 
On no account let them escape. In your anger, O God, bring down the nations. Verses 5 and 6 were a lament against the evil that David had to endure at the hands of Saul, Saul's advisors, and the Philistines. But different from verses, the lament we found in verses 1 and 2 was what follows in verse 7. Verse 7 was a prayer for God's justice to rain down on those who opposed him. Quite simply, those who oppose God, God's people. In time, God is going to judge all of mankind. We know this. Including those who have brought evil on the innocent, the poor, the oppressed, the powerless. And in time, no evildoer will escape God's wrath. Do you believe that God enjoys when seeing you when you are in pain, seeing you when you are oppressed, seeing you when you are discouraged, or just quite plainly whipped? Do you think God enjoys this? No way does God enjoy it. He allows us to encounter these trials, be it at the hands of others or through times of physical ailment or times of physical trial, but not so he can get his jollies out of it. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, God reminds us that trials and troubles have a purpose far beyond the pain of the moment. Know what I'm talking about? James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy. Oh, some good's going to happen. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Wait a minute. That's not what I expected. Right? I mean, how many of us consider it pure joy when we encounter troubles and trials that they are just far outside the scope of what we ever would have considered something to be joyful for? But that's exactly, this is the word of God. Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This past weekend, this past Sunday night, the small group that Charlene and I are part of, um, got together for a meal and a time of catching up with each other. We wanted to know, how you doing? What's going on? Really, it was a point of catching up. Catching up on what, you might ask? Well, on the journey through leukemia treatments for one 40-year-old Jamaican lady who's a part of our group. Far removed from everybody she knows. And oh, by the way, word, latest word, she's got to go to Calgary now, away from her church family, for um, bone marrow transplant. Thank you. Bone marrow transplant. Three months away from the circle of support that she has known throughout these days. The journey through attempts to diagnose a possible breast cancer in another lady. And she's always got a smile on her face. But how frustrating, 
how many times we the emails she has sent out to to let us know hey the latest is this doctor says one thing this doctor says another thing we're not all sure what exactly is going on so goes back for a further test to say this doctor says this thing <laughs> this doctor says another so i'm going to see a surgeon to get a another opinion and we're just praying for this lady that she will see it through Maybe it's the journey through one's job search that seems to go on and on and on. Another journey, waiting for help and trying to get some direction on the hip pain that is just crushing her. What a privilege for all of us to know that God is faithful despite the anguish Despite the pain, despite all the trials and troubles that each one is encountering. Quite simply put, God doesn't enjoy our pain. But he knows that it is bringing us to a point of maturity that he created us to be. And that our troubles and pain are simply perfecting us to that point. So where does that leave us then? Well, we can praise God that he cares for us and will act on our behalf. Verse 8 is uh, I, I just one of those great verses in Scripture. Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Another way to translate verse 8. Put my tears in your wineskin. How would you like to know that God collects the tears that you shed through the trials and troubles of your life, never forgetting a one of them, knowing that he will indeed remember each one. Years ago, my mom and dad awaited the arrival of their firstborn child. My oldest brother, Daniel, was born born and suffered from severe physical problems and ailments which would claim his life within hours of his birth. My parents found significant comfort in the grief knowing that God recorded that pain and collected their tears. In that terrible day, God was near. If you were to have asked my mom and dad that during their lifetime, they would have told you, it was some of the hardest moments of our life. And yet we know that God was always there with us. Over the years in pastoral ministry that Charlene and I shared together, I had the privilege of walking with loved ones who grieve the death of a spouse, a child, a friend. I watched families lose their farm, lose their jobs, lose their health. I listened as they cried out to God, finding comfort in the truth that God was near, recording their pain, collecting their tears, never forgetting them in the midst of whatever it was that God allowed them to journey through. Verse 9 assures us God will act on our behalf. So when we pray, God moves. 
Do we trust him to move and act on our behalf? David put it this way. He said, then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. And by this, I will know that God is for me. Do we trust the Lord our God to move and act on our behalf when we pray? When we pray, do we believe that he will answer in our hour of need whatever it requires? Put it this way to you. Is your God faithful to provide in your hour of need whatever it is you require in his loving care? So when we pray this, where does it leave us? It leaves us with the understanding that trusting God to overcome our crisis should lead us then to walk in obedience with him. Verses 12 and 13. I am under your vows. I am under vows to you, O God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. I have marveled over the years at the way God has delivered people through their times of trial and pain, and I have seen them be steadfast and ready to then go forward for God despite their loss or their heartache, wherever it may take them. I'm a baseball fan, and my favorite team is the San Francisco Giants. I remember uh, a pitcher from the late 80s named Dave Dravecki. His claim to fame, if you will, was that while pitching in a game, his arm broke throwing a pitch. They took him off the field, examined him, revealed that he had cancer in his pitching arm. Went through all the treatments, comes back, pitches a few more games in 1991, having returned from that initial bout with cancer to pitch a couple more games. And then something happened that left that led them to re-examine the arm again and found out, oh, by the way, the cancer has come back. This time, however, there would be no return to the pitching mound to throw another pitch in his career because they would have to amputate the arm because of the cancer this time. It would have been real simple for David at that point in time, to declare, where is my God in the midst of all of this? Instead, David's life after baseball has been filled with efforts to help others in their efforts to deal with cancer, amputation, depression, bereavement, and a lot of other different types of travesties in life. David and his wife, were able to do this because they laid claim to the promise of God in chapter 56 of the book of Psalms, that God had delivered him to walk with the Lord, his God, in the light of life. God's calling in our lives is to be lived out, rain or shine, pain or laughter, sorrow or joy. God's deliverance Hear this. God's deliverance is a sure thing. 
Are we prepared to walk then in faith until the deliverance is a present reality in our lives? God cares about you. If you walk out of here with nothing else that I've said this morning, hear this and hear this well and lay claim to this idea, this truth. God loves you. God understands your fears. His mercies will never fail. And therefore, our bottled, our bottled tears and overwhelming fears should motivate us, encourage us, and stimulate us to trust him Trust in the Lord our God who is walking with us through each and every heartache. Let's see if I can do this without crying. Three years ago, my father died during the first initial wave of COVID. I will never forget as me and my siblings then had to Zoom a meeting with my mom who was, who has dementia and who had dementia and was dealing with COVID of her own. And we had to tell her that her husband of almost 65 years had died. And when we told her that dad had died and was in heaven with Jesus, <laughs> Her response was absolutely astounding. The lucky boy, I want to go too. That's what a faith and a trust in the Lord provides. And my hope today is that you too will feel God's compassion during the trials and troubles of life that you experience. May you know God's compassion compassion and mercies that are new each and every day are carrying you through whatever it is that life is bringing your way. May you know that hope. May you experience that love. And may it bring joy to your heart today. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that encourages us and reminds us that you are a God whose mercies never fail. That your deliverance will see us through whatever trials and troubles this world may bring our way. Father, you know each heart and each life that is represented here this morning. And I pray that each one will go from here this morning with the assurance that you are walking with them, providing for them, and that there is nothing, nothing, that you will not do for the one you love. Father, we thank you for these moments of worship we have shared together. Go with us now into the days ahead 
And Father, let us indeed be the people who can declare that you have delivered us, set our feet firmly on the ground before us, indeed walking with you in the light of life each and every day to your honor and your glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. See you through the days that are to come. And Alan, thanks again for the privilege to bring the word of God to your people. Amen. You are Um, I am remiss in passing along a prayer request. Um, Audrey Clark's brother, Wayne, passed away, I think, Friday or Saturday. And Marvin and Cheryl are driving out to Ontario for the funeral. And Marvin requested that we pray for safety for them. And then, of course, pray for the family with the loss of Audrey's brother. So I was supposed to remember that earlier. I did not. So please add that to your list. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'll have at it then. <laughs> uh, Marvin and Cheryl are traveling. Marvin and Cheryl? Yeah, and it's Audrey Clark's brother, Wayne. Audrey Clark's brother. All right, let's pray. Father, we are again reminded of the needs and the heartaches that are all around us. And we pray for those who are on their way to Ontario now for a funeral. We pray, Lord, that you will be their strength and that the family will know your loving peace enfolding them and in, or in completely wrapping them in your care until that day when we once again meet on the other side of eternity in your presence. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless. Thank you, and you are dismissed.